Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about why we work doesn't work. I have to say I was a little conflicted about today's topic. I don't want to be one of the dozens of armchair quarterbacks piling on in hindsight about some of the failures at WeWork. Barely a week ago, Adam Newman was sitting on top of the most valuable startup in the U.S., and he was getting ready for a blockbuster IPO. And today, he's out of a job. Back in April of 2018, I dedicated an entire episode to WeWork and the problems that I saw with their business model. I currently run a shared office rental business consisting of five offices, and there's no comparison between what I'm doing and WeWork. They're clearly operating on a much larger scale. But for someone who's actually in the same business, I understand the risks and pitfalls of what WeWork is doing, whether it's staffing, master lease agreements, how to position different product offers in the space, and so on. Now I'm coming to you live from New York City, where WeWork has their largest presence in 55 WeWork locations in Manhattan alone. If you want to rent a dedicated office in New York, it's going to cost you about $1,100 a month. A dedicated desk will run about $750, and a hot desk, which is shared, will run you about $500 a month. All pretty reasonable prices. I think these low prices are both the reason for its widespread adoption and the cause, or one of the causes, at the root of its financial problems. The biggest problem with the WeWork business model is they've signed multi-year master lease agreements with their landowners and their customers only have a 30-day obligation. The buildings that they own outright have long-term debt, and again, their customers are only on the hook for 30 days. But here's the kicker. As if these risks are not enough, the companies never turned a profit. The S-1 filing for the IPO was done back in August, and a study of the S-1 shows that not only were they losing money, they were also losing money from operations. That means the startup costs for expansion of the business were not the only reason the company is losing money. If the company was losing money in their day-to-day operations, even if they stopped their rabid expansion immediately and spent nothing on growth, they would still be bleeding red ink from operations. They brought in $1.8 billion in revenue last year, and for every dollar they brought in, they spent $2 in expenses. So their very survival is predicated on the assumption that they're going to continue to get cash infusions until some point in the future when maybe, someday, who knows, they will turn a profit. Their principal funder was SoftBank, a Japanese cell phone carrier who opened a very aggressive fund several years ago that's been managed by the founder's son. But in the past week, the governance at SoftBank seems to have stepped in and put a stop to the craziness. Particularly egregious was the lavish spending by the founder on things that bring zero shareholder value. This included lavish parties, a private jet, and many other expenses. The founder, Adam Newman, secured a line of credit for $500 million and pledged a significant portion of Class B shares as the security. He's already drawn down $380 million of that line of credit and purchased five luxury homes across the country. The company was reported to be worth $45 billion earlier in the year, and in recent weeks the IPO valuation was downgraded to $15 billion. Even that now seems questionable. Another major backer of WeWork was J.P. Morgan Chase and CEO James Dimon. J.P. Morgan was the lead underwriter of the IPO, and they were also a major source of debt financing for the company. They've got a lot at stake, and the capital raised in the IPO would have brought some much-needed equity to help the company's balance sheet. Its investment funds were the early backers, and it promised to lend the company and Mr. Newman hundreds of millions of dollars. It was the lead bank. So here we are today. How is it that these situations that seems so obvious, take months or even years to play out. Now it looks like J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs are in discussions with the company to lend about $3 billion, and the company will need to tap the private markets for an additional couple of hundred million in additional equity. 
but given that equity investors just took a 66% haircut on the valuation, I personally think this is going to be a difficult sell. This is a $3 billion loan to keep the company afloat. It's not even to grow the company to profitability. And so far, the larger the company has grown, the faster the losses have multiplied. As a minimum, the new leadership will need to demonstrate to investors that they can manage the company's finances. That's going to mean significant headcount reductions and a steep cost-cutting program. I personally can't imagine what it's like to stand in front of investors with a straight face and propose a money-losing proposition. Sure, there can be periods of negative cash flow during construction or lease-up of a project. That's entirely different. But this company hasn't turned a profit since its founding, and the founders have sucked out hundreds of millions of dollars to fund their lavish lifestyle. To me, that's a dereliction of the fiduciary responsibility to shareholders. Whether they're private shareholders or public shareholders, it doesn't matter. You're playing with investors' money. It's not your money. So as you think about that, take a look at WeWork as an example of how not to do things. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.